0: This is episode number 339 with New York Times best-selling author and actor, Rain Wilson. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro-athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur, and each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Welcome everyone to this very special episode with the one and only Rain Wilson. That's right. Dwight from The Office is in the house today. And I'm extremely excited to dive deeper behind who this human being actually is. And wow, did he blow me away with everything he shared? I'm going to get into who he is and what we covered in just a moment. But to give you a quick recap of what's going on, uh, I'm actually leaving for Argentina tomorrow to go play in the Pan American Championships with the USA men's national handball team. And I am so pumped. I've played in the Pan Am championships uh, two times before, once in Buenos Aires and once in Uruguay. Um, and now we're playing back again in Argentina in Buenos Aires. So if anyone is listening from Buenos Aires, please come and support the men's uh, handball team for the USA. And I'd love to say hi to you guys down there for all the uh, School of Greatness fans in Buenos Aires. And you can just check out uh, Pan American Championships or follow my newsletter at lewishouse.com to get all the updates. And for those that want to watch the games live online, uh, again, follow me on Twitter, on Snapchat, House. And just subscribe to my newsletter at lewishowes.com to get all the updates. And you can support us by watching live online. You know, it's always been a dream of mine to pursue my dream of playing in the Olympics. And although we did not qualify this year, it's still an honor for me to wear USA across my chest and go compete at such a high level. And there'll actually be two Olympic teams there that we'll play against. So for me, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm always pushing the limits on my dreams. I'm always going after them. The scarier the dream, the more I want to challenge myself to see what's possible inside me. And that means also building my business and creating the finances and the financial results and the financial gains that I need so I can support my lifestyle of pursuing handball, of pursuing different passions, of traveling the world, And a lot of people ask me, how do I build an online business? How do I build this audience, generate this traffic, generate these programs, and generate sales? And in about a week and a half, two weeks, I'm launching a free video series called The Master Profit Plan that's going to show you exactly how I've built my online business so that I can have the flexibility and freedom that I do to pursue my dreams as well. So make sure to get on my newsletter email list. It's free. Go to lewishouse.com and subscribe because you're going to want to make sure you get access to these free videos. I'm talking about the Master Profit Plan. If you're an entrepreneur or you want to build an online business, then make sure to sign up for my newsletter right now because I'm going to be emailing you very soon on when those come out. Now, the man of the hour. I am so pumped. We've got Rain Wilson in the house. For those that don't know who he is, he's an actor, a writer, a comedian, and philanthropist best known for his emmy nominated portrayal of dwight on nbc's the office he is now equally known for his millions of twitter followers and the inspiring media company he's founded soul pancake which launched a new york times best selling book of the same name and his own memoir the bassoon king that came out in 2015 which is hilarious i got myself a few copies We'll link it up here at the end. Make sure to get yourself some copies as well. And all of the show notes of this episode are going to be back at lewishouse.com slash 339. So if you're already excited about this interview and you know it's going to be amazing, then make sure to click on the share button right now on your podcast app or wherever you're listening to this. Share it out on Twitter and share it out on Facebook, lewishouse.com slash 339. Some of the main things we talked about today – We talked about how much Rain struggled as an actor before he actually made it on The Office. No, he wasn't an overnight success. It didn't just happen out of nowhere. It actually was a process where he almost quit many times. And he talks about the entire process as a creative actor and all the different struggles and opportunities that he did have. Then we talked about what would he be doing right now if he never got the role on The Office and how would his life be? We talk about that. We talk about his role of spirituality and how it keeps him grounded in his career and what he thinks every other actor or entrepreneur should do to stay grounded as well. We talk about the number one big question people have about life. Also, whether or not we should be focusing on our purpose or the thing we love to do the most. We actually went pretty deep in this conversation and I think we... Talked about things that Rain usually doesn't talk about but actually really enjoyed discussing and diving into and kind of went off on a few different tangents here or there that I thought were fascinating. And it really showed me how incredibly human and wise that Rain actually is. He doesn't just play characters but he's actually an incredibly intelligent, wise loving human being. So I am so pumped and excited for you guys to connect, to learn, discover and adventure on this interview with the one, the only Rain Wilson. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card, you call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone if you only had a Discover card. With 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com/slash credit card. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay, when the truth is, Well, Welcome back, everyone, to the School of Greatness podcast. I'm very excited about today's guest. Rain Wilson is in the house. Good to see you, man. Nice to see you. Thanks for coming in to the Greatness Studio. We're neighbors, kind of. You live in LA, so that works. Yeah, There
1: we go. Yeah, yeah
0: that works. And you've been actually doing a lot of podcasts lately. I've seen you on a lot of podcasts, Tom Billy's podcast. I think yep. you were on, were you on Tim Ferriss' show, too? Uh, no? Tim Ferriss, yeah. Yeah, so I've mm-hmm. seen you kind of like getting out there, which I think is brilliant.
1: Did you see me kick Tim Ferriss in the face? I did not. Yeah. But I need to look at that. Cause now. we talked he's, about he's it. Been on here too, I kicked yeah. him in the, I, I talked about kicking him in the head on his podcast and then we actually did it and put it up on the, <laughs> uh, I forget about on Instagram, I That's think. That's good. So I like gotta,
0: it. I like, I'll check that. the Instagram. Yeah. And you know what? I really, I'm, I'm impressed because you're putting yourself out there in a way with new media that a lot of, I think, actors, celebrities, people in the entertainment business aren't doing mm-hmm. or they're more afraid of or they don't see the value of it. So mm-hmm. for me, I'm impressed that you're, Putting yourself out there and doing the podcast circuit and kind of getting your message out there—I think it's inspiring. You know, way. it's
1: a, it's such a new world. I mean, yeah. who is listening to these silly things called podcasts right. even five years ago? People like podcast. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> so it's a that's a new media as well. But yeah, with Soul Pancake, a digital media company, um, and I'm just intrigued by new ways we have of communicating yeah. big ideas with each other. Right. So I, I love. Being a part of that, even in, at my old senile age. <laughs> well, you're 50 now, right? I'm 50, bro. It's crazy. Yeah.
0: What are you most grateful for I'm in still your life?
1: fit. I will wrestle you to the ground. Will you and kick me in the will... face, too? Can you reach me? I'm pretty tall. I'm not going to kick you in the face yet, because I, I would pull a, <laughs> a, pull pull a, a hammy. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I'm pretty spry for 50. Yeah I'm, yeah. I'm surprisingly spry.
0: I like it. And right, what Tiffany? Exactly. <laughs> and what are you grateful for recently in your life?
1: Oh, that's such a good question because that's really what it's all about. What am I, uh, what am I super grateful for? Uh, I know this sounds hackneyed, but, uh, I'm really grateful for my family. It's really been in the last year and a half of kind of semi unemployment that I've <laughs> just, uh, really allowed myself to just be in. In gratitude of spending time with my wife and my son and being in our home and having a home. My life was so much about my work for decades. It was all career and workaholism and trying to move the push that the ball down the field and the needle up the dial and you know, moving things forward and getting things done. And now like we just had Memorial Day weekend and it was just nothing better than just hanging out with my wife and son yeah. and, and seeing us. His- Stupid movie and taking a hike and 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 being with them, so i I know it's corny, but that 's really what i 'm mm-hmm. most grateful for that's cool and what was
0: life like for you before the office and then after the office
1: well um I go into that a lot in my book, but i which uh, is called the bassoon king the bassoon
0: king we'll have it linked up and make sure everyone gets a copy of that yeah that'd, about that'd
1: that. be nice it's of um, it's a fun read, but one of the reasons I wrote the book is. Uh, that's a really fun part of my story to tell mm-hmm. is that people kind of think that, oh, people on TV shows were just always blessed and just doors just open right. for them. And they magically had this talent and they showed up to L.A. and they just get discovered and you just get waltzed into NBC and you're given a show. <laughs> and and it you know, I struggled long and hard. That's what she said. Um, and I was uh, I got out of acting school around 1990 in New York city. And I did um, nothing mm. but theater for almost 10 years in, in New York, in New York yeah. city. And I drove a moving van. I was on a literally like poverty, like trying to figure mm. out like, could I afford, you know, a Chinese takeout, bucket of noodles Just for dinner or something yeah, yeah. uh we're th- talking like 350 wow you know, even a, do i do back once? in 1990 yeah right do I, yeah i would get the day-old bagels because oh, you could get six for like a dollar coffee. yeah <laughs> exactly um and uh my wife and i i lived in an abandoned beer brewery uh for mm. a, a year and a half and so there, i had some real struggles. Going from that i couldn't I didn't have a decent agent I couldn't even get auditions for like the kind of the the telling thing about being an actor in New York is like did you audition for uh, law and order right and I couldn't even get an audition wow. for law and order I was there the whole for ten years. I never had an audition for law and order, which was crazy. It took me going back to l a uh and then getting some stuff going and then on a trip back to New York audition and got into law and order finally got it yeah, but um this is all a very long way of saying that my life before the office was. One of incredible struggle
0: just to survive. All the way up until The Office. Because you'd done a bunch of TV and movie before then,
1: right? The the few years before The Office, I was making a little bit more money. You know, I would do a pilot here or a little movie part there. But that's the thing about acting is that there's all these incredible actors in L.A. that – do these guest spots and appearances on shows and appearances in movies and stuff like that. And that pays really poorly. Right. It's not until you're a series regular on a TV show mm-hmm. or a movie star that you actually get the real, Make a living paycheck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was doing well, I was making, you know, 90,000 a year doing acting and I was like, Hey, that's pretty good. But, um, that's, you know, most people on actual TV shows are making that per week. Right. So it's a very different, <laughs> uh, you know, it's a, very different paradigm. So, yeah,
0: it, it was a lot of struggle. Um, to and so this was 1990 when you graduated. Is that right? From, yeah, from 1990 NYU. Yep. to 2005 is when the office began. Is that right? Yeah.
1: 2004, 2004. I started shooting it. Yeah. So essentially
0: 14 years of consistently grinding. Yeah. Not getting the opportunities. Yeah. Trying to make
1: it. We're trying to make it. Um, and you know, almost quitting acting. Really? Um, and that's where I really, um, that 's where kind of spirituality comes into play for me because i I would always get to that point of like, do I let it all go? Do I move out of l a do I move to Portland, Oregon, with my wife, and just teach at some college or start right. a- you know work in a community theater or or something like that and wow. But then I would always get that one, the universe would send me little signs, just like I would get that one better little job,
0: you to know. Pay for like the next three, four months.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd get some little commercial and all of a sudden a check would move me forward or I'd get a better job. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden I'd get on a no Broadway show or right. I would get a, you know, a really good guest spot on a TV show and, or I'd get a better agent or I'd meet some new producer and some door would open. So I, I would kind of be always really open to the universe, like, what, what do you have in store for me, universe? What's yeah. what's happening next? And and as 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 long as doors were opening and there was movement forward, I was like, ah, I just got to
0: stick Keep through this. It. And yeah.
1: fourteen years later, was able to get in the office. It's
0: crazy. Mm-hmm. I uh, yeah, I talked to a guy. Uh, what's his name? Max Greenfield. Do you know him? Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. I, I would work out with him at the CrossFit gym down the street. A few years ago and he was like, you know, for 10 years I didn't get anything. And I thought about quitting over and over and it's some, similar story. Yeah. Like I get a little thing here and there and I almost quit. And then I pff, booked a new girl and now like life has changed. But you see, but there's a difference between, um, you know, the universe
1: opening doors for you and delusion. Cause you'll meet a right. lot of actors oh, in yeah. LA that are like <laughs> kind of sunbaked and their yes. brains are a little bit fried and <laughs> yes. they've been in the world of like ego and self and self promotion for way too long. And they're, and they just keep staying with it. And you just want to say to them, man, it's time to move back to Omaha and <laughs> teach community college or work yeah. in an insurance office or just find something else or go be of service somewhere in the world. Cause it's not happening. So you yeah. have to, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting line between is the universe leading me forward and our mm. doors opening or am I in self delusion and self will so much that? It's never going to happen, but I'm deluded myself into thinking. How do you thinking, know the difference
0: though? Because it took you 14 years, but I guess you were making enough to get by after whatever. I always made a living,
1: yeah. And like I said, I always just just when I would think about quitting, some new little thing yeah. would happen to move me to move me further down the path. And I was like, well, as long as I'm going further down the path. Uh, it's like the Amway pyramid, you know, an yeah, Amway yeah. where you have to sell like, get to the next level, pencils okay. or moisturizer <laughs> exactly. or something like that. And yeah. you get to, and then people under you sell like, uh-huh. my wife calls it the, uh, the Amway pyramid sure. of working in LA.
0: Yeah. What do you think you would have done if you would have quit, say, you know, whatever, a couple of years before the office, if you had to move somewhere else, where would you have moved and what would you be doing?
1: Well, my wife and I are from the Northwest. I'm from Seattle. She's from Portland. We have a little cabin up near Bend. Uh, I love Bend. It's beautiful. Beautiful, <sighs> right? Uh, can, we, can you edit this from the podcast? I don't want people moving to Bend.
0: <laughs> we can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know. I have some entrepreneur friends who've moved there and they're like, yeah, they're never moving. It's away. heaven.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So we, we, we it's some vague idea of living in the Pacific Northwest mm-hmm. and doing small theater and teaching, you that's know, it, huh? some combination of wow. that. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, you know, I, w- I grew up in Seattle and um uh, kind of by happenstance, my family moved to suburban Chicago and this high school had a really amazing theater department. And that's when I started acting. I was mm-hmm. 17. I kind of started a little late. But my plan was always go to the University of Washington in Seattle and stick around Seattle like most of my Seattle high school friends yeah. are and, you know, teach high school English or that's something it. like that. So that's kind of my my path was kind of in my mind kind of set. And then all of
0: a sudden this acting mm. thing happened. What was the dream for you growing up? Was it to – if you had like any dream, was it to be an actor or was it to teach? You know, you
1: know? I, uh, I, I – I knew I liked acting. I never in a million years thought that I would make a career at it. Really? I never knew anyone who was an artist who actually got paid for making art. Right. My dad was an artist, and he um, wrote a bunch of really corny, bizarre science fiction and fantasy books while mm-hmm. I was growing up. One of them got published, and I think he got a check for like $500 for it. Okay. And um, <laughs> I knew – we had bohemian Seattle friends growing up, Um I was a member. My family were Baha'is, members of the Baha'i faith, and so we knew kind of like kind of hippie-ish, bohemian, Seattleite folks, and who were writing poetry or painting things. And um, my dad's also a painter, but no one ever got paid for it. So that's this is, you know, I I write about this in my book. But one of the uh, one of the main things that happened to me is when when I moved to Chicago. Um, I started taking acting and I, and I started being good at it. And I started getting cast in lead roles in the plays. And huh. and the main reason that I got involved was girls all of a sudden liked me. So I was this totally dorky kid in Seattle. who I was on the chess team and model United Nations and marching band, playing the xylophone and bassoon did, and the bassoon. Hence the bassoon <laughs> King. And then, uh, I started doing the acting and and girls started like liking me. and then um hmm. all of a sudden, this whole new vistas opened up with uh, the nerdy but extremely cute theater girls. Right. Um, and so I went to my uh, drama teacher, and i I never voiced this desire, this hope, this dream before to anyone in my life. but I went to my drama teacher, uh, Suzanne Adams, who I still keep in touch with and and I said, on a break, I was like, Mrs. Adams, do you think that maybe someday I could potentially somehow be an actor?
2: Hmm. Uh,
0: maybe. What year is this for you?
1: This was like eighty three. Okay. I graduated in eighty four. Okay, cool. And um and she was like, Oh yes. Yes, you must. You, yes, you're very talented and you should go to school and you should study and travel the world and fall in love and you should read lots of books and go on adventures and have a great, rich, rich, deep life. But yes, I think you absolutely could. And that was so inspiring to me. Like that fed my soul and my heart and helped move me forward for years afterward. I would remember what she said because it was so foreign to me. The idea of like, wait, getting paid to pretend to be people and get paid for that i mean i'd seen plays in chicago i knew that people were getting paid probably hundreds of dollars a week to pretend to be these characters and uh-huh. and i but that was always my thing was i never thought i never sought out to be famous i never thought, sought out to be a celebrity or a tv star or anything like that i i just wanted to be a working actor and i thought i was going to be a theater working actor so that would what would my dream have been to be in an ensemble of actors doing great works of theater at a, you know, a regional theater somewhere.
0: place to start, and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the true accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod50 for 50% off.
0: Wow, oh, amazing. Gosh, it's interesting how, you know, I had great coaches and mentors growing up in sports. That was kind of my thing. And having one or two coaches be like, yeah, I believe you can achieve, you can be an All-American, you get a college scholarship, you can play a professional. It was like, those moments that we have growing up that really kind of shape our mindset. Yeah. It's, it's
1: crazy to think about. And then when I got out to LA, that just triggered my mind. It is, it is about mentorship mm-hmm. and how important, um, if you are a teacher or a coach, it's important to be a mentor. Yeah. And it's also important to look for those mentors. Yeah. Um, when I got out to LA, I signed with this manager, Mark Schulman, who was a really great manager. And, um, he, we, we, Sat down for our kind of first meeting and he's like, So what do you see yourself doing? And I think the Drew Carey show was on at the time. I was like, mm. Well, I could be like one of those goofy guys on like the Drew Carey show who's right. like the fifth or sixth lead or something like that. And sure. Um, one of those weirdos. And, <laughs> and he was like, you know, I see it completely different for you, huh. you know, and he was like, I see you starring in a TV show. I see you producing. I see you making content. Wow. I see you writing, directing whatever you want to do. Um, with your name above the title and really the sky's the limit with your talent. And it, I didn't see that in myself, wow. but he saw it and it was, that was also very helpful. So sometimes you mm. need someone outside of yourself to kind of recognize the talent that's in you and yeah. say, Hey, you're thinking too small, you know, you need to think better. But then again, what's the question, Lewis, because if you, um, if you think that you have all this capacity and maybe you don't quite have that capacity, then you're in self-delusion. Right. So how, what is that?
0: I can create anything I want. And yeah. I,
1: yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be the next Lewis Howes. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and you may not have that capacity. That may not be your path.
0: Right. You it, may know? Your your it may not be your skill set or your talent either. It may not be your skill
1: set. Yeah. Exactly. It's finding that. Um, uh, it's finding that skill set. And that's, and that's where, that's where, like I said before, I think spirituality comes into play because mm. it's, um, wow. It's in, in a process of prayer and meditation and connection and understanding that this physical life that we're on is just part of our spiritual journey, going on a spiritual journey. Yeah. If you look at your life more as a spiritual journey, you will find those doors opening and find what your place is. I believe more than we live in a culture that values kind of self-will yeah. Over all things. You know, drive determination, can do mm. spirit, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and self will. It's like and that's all important. There are important qualities in that. Determination is important. Perseverance. Perseverance. Yeah. Is super important. Belief. Yeah. Belief in yourself. Love of yourself that's necessary to propel that. But um uh it can also lead people astray.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, so tell me more about your faith, because this is like the first time I heard about this earlier when I was researching. What's it called and what does it actually mean?
1: Well, um, so I'm a member of the Baha'i faith. That's B-A-H-A-I. And uh, my family, I grew up in a Baha'i family. Uh, Baha'i faith spread really rapidly in the late 60s and and early 70s Mm -hmm. through the U.S. and all over the world. When everyone was on a spiritual journey, you know, right. the the Beatles were visiting the Maharishi, and Cat Stevens became a Muslim, and mm-hmm. Shirley MacLaine was communing with spirits from another dimension, and people were just very open to spiritual ideas at the time, yeah. just breaking away from the kind of fundamentalist. What they've
0: always been told, yeah, exactly, in their,
1: in their family life or whatever, and, and learning more about other religions and faiths, right? yeah, and they were very open to transcendental meditation mm-hmm. or, or whatever it is. So a lot of people found the Baha'i faith at that time and became Baha'is. And that's what my parents did as well. I grew up in it. I left it for a long time when I, so part of my story in in the Bassoon King is leaving, leaving my faith and, um, just wanting to be an artist in New York city. So
0: uh, what's the faith kind of represent? Is it, is it, is it kind of like takes all faith? Is that what I Yeah, there's understood? People, people say that. I think that, um, uh, uh, it's really hard
1: to to sum up. I can imagine uh, in a in a short uh, podcast I can imagine. version <laughs> in a sentence. <laughs> you could do a whole podcast just on sure. on what it is. But basically, Baha'is believe that there is only one God, mm-hmm. and this all-seeing, all-loving, unknowable essence runs through everything, this dimension, many other dimensions, mm-hmm. places, times beyond time, beyond the f- laws of physics, let's right. say. And the way that this uh, all loving uh, creative force in the universe um, educates humanity spiritually is by sending down divine teachers every couple hundred, every couple thousand years. So these divine teachers we all have known and heard of like Zoroaster and Krishna and the Buddha mm-hmm. and Moses, Abraham, Jesus, Muhammad. Yeah. And these um, – mm-hmm. talking about the metaphor moving the ball down the field mm-hmm. – De- That's like, my language now. They, there we go. i trying to use some sports <laughs> yes, analogies. Exactly. I could use some tech analogy too. Yeah. Here, here we go. Like yeah. this. I'm going to bust this one out. It's like <laughs> getting a new iPhone every year or Ooh, two. There you go. Cause you've got the new technology there coming you out. Go. You need to do the updates every once yeah. in a while. Well, humanity is the same way. Mm. You know, we need to update ourselves spiritually. Right. Um, just like iPhone updates and. These divine teachers come down and they help advance mankind and, and move them forward with compassion and love yeah. and spiritual virtues and the idea of service and detachment from the material world, from outcomes, from the vanities of self and, and ego. ego. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so Baha'is are followers of a man named Baha'u'llah. And that name means the glory of God in Arabic. And Baha'u'llah lived in Iran mm-hmm. in the mid 1800s and Baha'is believe that he's the newest of this line of teachers, prophets and teachers. Yeah. yeah, And he's the, he's the newest divine teacher or spokesperson for God, bringing God's word to humanity in this day and age. And his, um, his writings are hundreds of books and letters and they're incredibly profound. Uh, they're all, it's from anything from international justice to, Hmm. um, uh, You know, the importance of a universal language, the elimination of racial prejudice, thinking of ourselves as all one human species inhabiting this planet, the equality of men and women, the essential harmony of science and religion. Some really beautiful progressive ideas, especially coming from Iran (laughs) in the 1850s and 60s, when you can imagine how repressive
0: it is now, even more repressive and backwards then, mm. so why did you leave and then come back? And how long were you kind of like away from the, you know, the practice? I um, when I moved to New York City, uh, basically,
1: long story short, I didn't want any morality in my life. Don't want any morality. I didn't want morality. I didn't want to. The Baha'i faith has, like all religious faiths, it has some moral laws. Mm. Some of which are very, very uh, challenging in the modern world. <laughs> So, like, premarital sex. Right. So, that was one that I really struggled with. And, Mm -hmm. um, I was having sex with my girlfriend and feeling really guilty about it. Yeah. Even though in the Baha'i Faith, it's not, there isn't really a concept of like sin and hell and damnation or anything like that. It's like
0: forbidden. It's like a law. It's like a rule. It's a,
1: it's a rule. However, um, I I would say forbidden is a too strong a word. Gotcha. It's, It's a rule that helps one grow spiritually and helps one's soul mm-hmm. not our body but it helps our soul right. become more spiritual. whole and spiritual and enriched yeah. and 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 evolve that's the idea behind the right. laws um drugs and alcohol are something that baha'is refrain from because uh-huh. baha'is believe that drugs and alcohol get in the way of um Again, evolving the soul or sure. make spiritualizing the yeah. soul. So I moved to New York City to be an actor, and I was 20 years old. <laughs> and uh, I had a beautiful girlfriend. And yeah. I was just like, you know, there were a lot of other reasons, too. I wanted to rebel against my parents. Mm-hmm. I was annoyed with the Baha'i community. Sure. A lot of really mostly immature reasons. Sure. But I just wanted to be an actor and live the bohemian lifestyle in New York. So I wanted right. to get up and <laughs> have fun and be in Greenwich Village and do right. plays. That's and, it. Um, and then it was, uh, it was a really interesting thing that happened where, uh, I met my now wife. We were together at the time. Um, we've been together for a long time and she's gorgeous and wonderful. Holiday Rhinehorn. She's fantastic. And I was starting to work as an actor. So really all my dreams were coming true, hmm. but yet I was really dissatisfied in, in my soul, in my heart. I, it's kind of the thing when you wake up at three in the morning, you're like, what am I doing? What's my mm-hmm. life about? Mm-hmm. What? And, uh, I got really depressed wow. and I, and I thought, well, maybe I've just discarded this whole religion thing too much. Maybe I, you know, I jettisoned the idea of God and, um, and spirituality completely to dive into my art and my craft, which in a lot of ways I'm, I'm grateful for. Yeah. You know, I learned a lot doing that, but I decided to kind of go on a spiritual journey at that time.
0: Mm.
1: And so you kind of entered back into it or just reevaluated and started. I started it. reading the holy books of the world and I, I all read, the books. Uh, I won't say all of them, but okay. I read the major ones in yeah. the canon. I read the Bible and the Quran. Wow. The Bhagavad Gita and the writings of the Buddha, the Dhammapada. <laughs> and, um, I read a lot of other books about religion and faith and yeah. ideas. I was, cause I really, there's, there's one, when we found its whole pancake, we founded it on this, on pursuing life's big questions. That was how it started as a website and now it's a media company and a YouTube channel, but it was about exploring life's big questions and really the number one life's big question. And I know this isn't a spirituality webcast per se, but the, I'm sorry to go here, but I'm going to go. This is great. The number one big question is, is there a God or not? Because as Thomas Merton says, who's a fantastic, one of my favorite writers of all time, Roman Catholic writer, um, he says either everything is all spiritual or not spiritual at all. <laughs> so. There either is a creative life force that created us, has a purpose for us, or we're all a random assemblage of molecules bumping together. And for some reason, evolutionarily, you and I developed these brains, and we have these little headsets on, and here we are having this conversation, and this is all just random chance, and it doesn't have any meaning whatsoever. (laughs) And whatever meaning happens is because we put our meaning onto it, and then we're dead, and boom, lights out. And that's the end of the show. So it's either that or there's an all-loving creator. And this physical realm is just a way stop. You know, we were in the womb for a while. And then we're in our physical bodies in the world for a while. And then our souls move on to whatever is the next phase. And then the next phase and the next phase mm-hmm. of essentially, I suppose, maybe meeting this creator. Mm. Um, and so that... If that's what you believe, that puts your life in a very different context. Yes. Um, not to say that atheists or agnostics and people of faith can't and shouldn't work together and that there's so much that we share. We want to make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. We, um, we want to bring joy and love and inspiration to people's yeah. lives, um, for the most part. Right. And I, I think that the whole debate of, I never want to get into a debate with an atheist, you know, it's just so pointless. Like, <laughs> It's not going to convince anybody right, of right. anything. It's, But I think we have to find a commonality and a way to, mm. to move together. But I do think that everyone has to go on that journey of deciding whether or not there is a creator.
0: Yeah, what they not. believe in. Yeah, What they believe in. Interesting. Because it's going to inform your life choices. I just find it's, it's going to be hard to – I don't know. If you don't believe in anything, you're going to feel very unfulfilled, I think. Throughout, you're going to have a lot of those moments of unfulfillment. And then maybe that's what you were feeling when you were kind of even not just connected to spirituality. It's like, what's the purpose? What's the meaning? What's the reason? Well, what I believed in was self. And that's not enough. Yeah, it's tough. If you just
1: it's believe in yourself, it's a lot, a lot, of, lot ego. of ego. And that's what I wanted. I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be successful. I wanted mm-hmm. to make money. I wanted people to 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 like me and see me in plays. I wanted to make play great roles and be seen and remembered for it. And that's just a lot of self, 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 self. And then it's not about anybody else. And it's, I think it's hollow. And I think Very. for me, what it did is four or five years into my career, it just kind of rang hollow. It's like, here I am. I'm doing the plays. It's draining as well, right? It's like exhausting probably. Yeah. Just focusing on yourself all the time and self promotion and trying to get a better agent and trying to get a better job. Yeah. And, um, it is, it's pretty exhausting. So what I try to do now what I try to do and fail a lot. Cause I still have a lot of ego tied up in uh, all of this, you know, it's well, you a, mean
0: you're a human being? Oh, you're not perfect yet. <laughs> I'm not, I haven't achieved
1: <laughs> a bodhisattva yet. I am. I'm not a saint. I, um, is, um, uh, I trying to look at things as more as service because yeah. you started the conversation with gratitude. And I think gratitude is always the best place to start with anything. And I think that, you know, what I always say to people who are lost is, you know, what can you do to be of service to someone else? Yeah. And you told me out in the lobby when we were before uh doing this podcast that you really started this as a service to have yeah. a great conversations and to help people. And and I feel that. And I felt that in listening to your podcast. This was not just you self-promoting. You're really trying to help people with ideas. Yeah. And uh And I appreciate that. And that's been – it's a tricky thing for an actor because, oh, I want to act – I want to be in front of the camera and play great roles and mm-hmm. get this attention at me. But I really do want to be a storyteller that uh, makes a difference in the world. And uh, even doing The Office, as corny as it is um, – no, it's not corny – as silly as The Office was, mm-hmm. um, the, my favorite stories of when someone would say, like, my sister was dying of cancer and we would sit in the, hotel, in the hospital room. And watch episode after episode of The Office, and we would just laugh together, mm-hmm. and we'd laugh till we cried. And and the fact that we were able, through that show, to bring laughter to people yeah. um, and bring joy to people was
0: very fulfilling. It's valuable, yeah. It's really important. It's necessary. I mean, I feel, in a lot of ways, I have a similar experiences from my sports background you know i wanted to achieve certain things as an athlete i wanted to be a professional athlete for my ego and for accomplishment and acknowledgement for people to like me and i achieved all these big dreams that i had and i remember feeling very like empty inside and be like after i'd achieve everything i would be like the angriest person alive i was like why am i so angry and like resentful and mad now that i just achieved what i wanted for years And I realized it's because it was more to prove people wrong and to, like, make myself look good as opposed to do it out of, like, giving and service, like we're talking about now. And Mm -hmm. once I started to shift that and say, how can I still achieve everything I want Mm -hmm. but be more of an inspiration to show people what's possible for their life or Mm -hmm. do it from a place of, like, I'm going to give my best to show people that they can give their best, Mm -hmm. whatever it may be, um, it just became much more fulfilling when I would achieve certain things. Mm -hmm. And it's Mm -hmm. still on that path. You know, again – being a podcast host or whatever, you know, having a book—it's just a lot of promotion to get the word out. And I'm sure you get the same thing with Soul Pancake—you got to mm-hmm. promote. Mm-hmm. But I feel like when we come from a place of love and service and giving and gratitude, it spreads a lot easier. It's not as hard and challenging, so and mm-hmm. it's more fulfilling. So I think people can sniff yeah. self-promotion too
1: yeah. in a way that it's. You know when you meet someone and they're just – you get that little squeezy feeling yeah. and you're just like, oh, what's up with this person? Like we are we're very good at yeah. reading just in BS people's voices. Meters, right? yeah. yeah, exactly. We, we all have very finely tuned BS yeah. meters. So some people try and fake it.
0: I hear you. I hear him. Who was the most influential person
1: in your life growing up? Um, I would say that my dad was Um, uh, for all his failings as a father, which I won't get into – here and now he might be hearing this podcast but i will say that i one thing i really appreciated about him was we we had a house of creativity yeah he was a painter he would write stories he would write poems he would doodle he was always creating and he wanted to be an artist he really was never quite successful in his dreams of being a painter and a writer but he always encouraged that and inspired that mm. so we had a house That he was very unhappily married to my stepmom. So there was a lot of sadness in our house and a lot of awkward silences and tension and and fights and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so that all sucked and has scarred me profoundly. But the idea that you could take all that and transform it into art. And Mm -hmm. so we were just always painting, drawing, singing, having other artists over – uh, telling stories, reading stories, he always had this rule that no matter how broke we were, I was—we were pretty poor growing up. We were very poor growing up. When I—I I got I used to get my clothes from the Salvation Army, kind of poor. And but he would say, however many books you want, I will buy you whatever books you want. So wow. I would go, I'd be like, I'd take him up on it. We'd go to the university bookstore in Seattle, and I'd have a stack of forty or fifty books. He'd be and like, you want all those books? I'd be like, yeah. And he's like, are you gonna read them all? I'm like, yep. He would buy them all without wow. without saying anything. Did you read them all? I did. Wow. Yeah. Look at you. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. <kid>. I did. <laughs> a lot of them were pretty corny science fiction sure. and fantasy, kind of Conan <laughs> the Barbarian books and hey,
0: stuff like that. But Whatever gets you going, right? It does. And it does. Yeah. that. I love
1: science fiction and fantasy for that reason. It really does yeah. spark the imagination.
0: That's amazing. What would you think was the biggest lesson he taught you then? Was it to be creative or... Um, I, I, I think he
1: taught me the, the kind of, the, the, the magic of being an artist. Mm. Um, and I think there's a, there's a spiritual act in, um, in being an artist. And, uh, I think of, um, again, I'm sorry to go there. Sorry, but, but it's all good. He, um, people like, I picture all the comments on your blog. Like, oh, hear all God. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, when you think of God, the creator, you think of like a blank sheet of paper and there's nothing there. And then you create something on that. You, you, you write a beautiful poem or you create a beautiful picture mm. or painting, or you write a song on it or lyrics or whatever it is that we're emulating the act of the creator. Mm. Um, uh, in the Baha'i faith, they call God the fashioner and we're emulating the fashioner by fashioning something. And it's our, it's our kind of a, a highest spiritual act to do that, especially if we can do that for service to other people. Yeah. Um, so th- 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 I, that would be, I think the lesson that I got from him the most. Well, why do you think you were created? Um, that's a great question. I would put that like number two in, in the list. I don't know. I'm still, I'm still finding that out. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm, Mm. I'm really not sure. I don't, I don't have that answer. Um, there have been a few things that I have been lucky to be a part of. Um, uh, my family again, that I'm super grateful for, uh, soul pancake, this, you know, company that seeks to uplift and inspire, uh, in digital media and content. Um, which is soulpancake.com and on YouTube as well. Yep. Yep. A YouTube channel and we're on all different, Social media platforms, and we do stuff for TV as well, and stuff with brands. But, um, and then my wife and I do this work in Haiti. Um, and then I have acting and producing myself. Mm-hmm. So I have all these different irons in the fire, and sometimes I feel a little scattered. Yeah. And I, and I really, I would love to know, I'd love to receive some sign on where to kind of focus my energy. And I'm not exactly sure really what my purpose is, but I will, it's to, my, gra- I'll tell you my greatest love for me and all of that stuff that I have going on. My greatest love is playing a character. So I get a, I get a script. I love acting. I love mm-hmm. the getting a script, whether it's a play or whether it's a film or TV show and your character's name Greg and you look up Greg and you know, Greg is a schlubby idiot or whatever <laughs> Greg <laughs> is described as or whatever. And you read through the Greg, um, description and, yeah. and then you say, how do I play Greg? What? Uh, how does Greg walk? How does he sit? What is his worldview? How does he see the world? What's the world looking at the world through Greg's eyes? What is, what trauma has he been through? Mm. Is he sad? What's going on inside of him? How does he speak? Is he articulate or not? Um, where does the source of his comedy come from? And, and taking rain and putting rain into Greg and Greg's shoes is right. my favorite thing in the world to do. But wow. is that my purpose? I don't know. I think. That's what I'll always love the most. I'll always love that the most. But I also, I love that I have these other avenues to, um, help people and, uh, inspire people and, um, kind of turn people on to having bigger conversations. Mm-hmm. That's the whole purpose when Soul Pancake, when <laughs> we started, was let's talk about life's big questions. What is it? What does it mean to be a human being? I, I love that discussion more than anything else. And that's,
0: and that's far greater and more important than me playing the role of Greg. Yeah. Should we be pursuing and following what we love the most and making that our purpose? Or should we be just trying to figure out our purpose and then making that something we love to do? Oh man. You're good. Ooh. <laughs> You're good. Um
1: that's a good I you know cuz you just said, you know, acting's your biggest love. I think you follow what what turns you on the most. Um you have to really make sure that it's not for ego mm-hmm. and not for self-promotion. Mm-hmm. but you not find... to get famous or yeah. to get rich. Yeah. It's like you can love acting, but then if you pursue acting for all the wrong reasons, you can really end up in a morass. Yeah. But you want to, or a musician, or you know, fill in the dots, or an entrepreneur or a businessman because you want to have a house in Montauk or something like that. <laughs> like That's a very different reason than... You have great business ideas. You want to employ people and you want to be yeah. part of a dynamic. Solve ever- a problem, right? Yeah. Solve yeah, yeah. a problem and be part of a evolving, dynamic, ever changing world and yeah. helping humanity move forward as a species, the seven, six, seven billion of us. Um, I think you follow what turns you on and then, but then you have to be very sensitized to that journey and doors will open mm-hmm. and you have to be really like, you know, you hear that story all the time, like, I want to be a lawyer. I want, I want to go to law school or whatever. And then I was going to law school and, um, Dimitri Martin tells that story. He's a stand up comic, he's a hysterical stand up comic. And he was in NYU law school. And then he, on the side, he did comedy gigs and he would go do open mics uh-huh. and he just fell in love with it. And just again, little doors started opening and he dropped out of law school wow. to go be a stand up comic. And he's one of the most successful ones in the United States. He just directed his first film and, Uh, He's just a great guy, and you have to listen
0: to that that little voice and those Mm. little proddings. And that it's almost letting go of attachment too, of like what you kind of set out in your mind of like I'm going to be a lawyer. I already said it, so I'm going to go do it. I'm going to finish it. I'm going to do this thing. It's like you got to kind of be aware and open to other things, right? It's it's letting go of the result of that. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: I'm going to okay. I love being a lawyer. I'm going to go study the law, and then you've got to be open to whatever happens. Along the way, you right. take a trip to another country and you fall in love with that country, or you, you meet a woman in that country and fall in love. And yeah. then all of a sudden, you're working for a nonprofit in that country with the woman that you love and using your legal skills right. in a different way. And you've got to be open to what the universe gives you. Cause I, I, I do believe that, um, the universe, there, there is that energy yeah. in the universe. I know, I know when I'm in sync. With the energy of the universe, I feel right.
0: Yeah.
1: I know that sounds very hippy yeah. dippy, yeah. Sure. but, um, You're in I, flow. I, 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 I do believe that that exists.
0: Mm. What is your, what is missing from your life? You, Lewis. Mm. I appreciate it. Well, you have me now. Oh, kind of, <laughs> we another, can embrace afterwards.
1: 20 or 30 minutes. Good. <laughs> um, what's missing from my life? God, you know, honestly, uh, so nothing is missing from my life. And I really mean that. I have health. Nice. I have enough money. I have a beautiful family. Great looks. I have, I look amazing. <laughs> uh, I have purpose. I have faith, good friends. And, uh, so in, in that context, nothing is missing from my life. Where my, I'll take the question a little bit sideways, sure. kind of where my ego struggle is, is, I'm a weird looking 50 year old dude who's really known for playing Dwight. Mm-hmm. And I'm not given many opportunities. I'm not given too many opportunities to play other roles. Really? And that's a struggle for me is, uh, I mean, I get offered roles. I just did an indie film. I'm doing another one this summer and, you know, developing some TV shows for me to act in that are really cool, and I get offered stuff that I turn down. But the, I'm not getting the opportunities that I don't want to paint this picture like, oh, I'm struggling a completely actor, again <laughs> struggling actor, unemployed actor. It's not that. I'm not getting the opportunities I feel that I want and deserve to mm. to move forward in my career. And so I'm always I'm struggling with that, and that, and then I'm wondering like, oh, is that my ego? And how much of that is my ego? And do I just want the status? Mm. Do I just want to be in the trades of like, yeah. Oh, Rain Wilson got this new great gig and oh, he's doing so good. And, um, cause it was hard. Like I had a shot. I had a shot for a while there at movie stardom, you mm. know, when the office was really hot, there was a bunch of movies I did in a row. I did Sahara and Juno and my super ex girlfriend yeah. and, uh, The Last Mimsy and then i was i starred in this movie the rocker that completely bombed and then and that was devastating it was a studio comedy and then uh that no one saw i can tell by the blank look on your
0: face you did i saw the i saw the image of you in your underwear okay and that was enough to keep you away, out like, of the theater i never saw this before yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and uh
1: I, uh, and then after that, I did this movie, Super, that James Gunn directed, who did Guardians of the Galaxy. And it was a really great indie film that people had kind of high hopes for, it, but no one went and saw it again. Mm. So I had all these, like everything that I went in the, in the feature film world just bombed, just wow.
0: shit the bed. And wow. it, it was hard, man. I mean, it, cause yeah. when you're at the top of the world for The Office, yeah. it's like every time you step on screen, people laugh. To now, oh, yeah, they and they, and thing. they
1: tried to figure out how I could work in movies. Steve Carell obviously took he's off crushing in movies, movies. rushing it, insane and good for him. Yeah. And Ed Helms too, Hangover and other uh-huh. films that he's done fantastic. And John Krasinski doing really super yeah. well. And so, my um, twin, yeah, your twin, John Krasinski. <laughs> and I, uh, uh, and I'm happy for all of them that are all such good, kind, uh, gentle. Smart men and they deserve all the success in the world. And that, but that was hard to see that, um, that, that movie stuff crash mm-hmm. and burn. And so like, what's missing in my life? I have that struggle of like, mm-hmm. I'm not getting movie offers and I'm don't, I didn't have that career that I wanted to have in film. And, um, and, it, but then is that my ego? Should I just let that go? I'm doing this other great, awesome stuff. Maybe I need to just let that go, but I want it still. So there's yeah. a kind of like, it's that icky, gooey thing of like <coughs>
0: – Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. It's huh.
1: somewhere in there. What is that? I mean, if what, you have any advice, let me know.
0: Yeah. What's that process process like when you're at – again, when I mean, The Office was like the top show on TV for every season essentially, right? Every year? It was a top comedy for, for many top, years. It was yeah. hilarious, right? Um, what was that like? Well, first off, I'm curious. I want to go back into this. I want to take a step back. I want to know how you actually landed the role and if you knew it was going to be as big of a deal when you landed it or if you're just like, oh, it's just another TV thing that I'm going to get. Cool. I had um, tested
1: against Will Arnett for (laughs) Arrested Development, Mm -hmm. and he beat me out. Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. (laughs) Um, And then right after that, I, I was supposed to do this other TV thing that fell apart, and then I auditioned for The Office. And I really thought The Office was going to be like Arrested Development. I thought it was going to be this really smart, edgy comedy that would be on for maybe a couple of seasons if we were lucky or 20 Mm -hmm. episodes or something. And then people would watch it on DVD. Right, right. So that's what they used to do back then is watch it on DVD. (laughs) Um, so, and that's what we all thought. And we, we, so I went, I was literally the very first person to audition for the U.S. office. Um, I knew the casting director well and she liked my work and, and brought me in, and it was a long, arduous casting process. But yeah, we, um, I had seen the BBC office, which yeah. was phenomenal, yeah. and I knew we had the chance to make something really great. I didn't understand how we were going to do that on NBC, right? Because if you looked at the comedies at the time when we were on, it was friends, you know, it mm-hmm. was very handsome and good looking people, brightly lit colorful sets right. with a laugh track and a studio audience and everyone was just likable and huggable. Right. And then you've got this office with all these really despicable people, <laughs> you know, and who and flawed
2: right. people
1: and kind of odd looking actors under in bad lighting with bad haircuts <laughs> and polyester suits. Yeah. And I was like, how was that going to work on NBC? And we were almost canceled like four or five, wow. six times. I mean, it, we barely hung on. I mean, people have no idea. Like, wow. We... We did the pilot. It was the lowest testing pilot since the Seinfeld pilot, which was also a super low testing pilot. That's good and news then, then, right? If it's yeah, compared to Seinfeld pilot. Tell that to the studio <laughs> network executives, please. Wow. And um, then then we were not going to get picked up, but then the head of NBC said, well, I'll pick up five more episodes. So we Boy, did five yeah. more, and then the next season we weren't going to get picked up, and then he's like, well, we'll do five more, and then – And then after that, we'll do three more and then we'll do two more. And we kept getting these little orders. And then all of a sudden we took off. And I think that one of the main reasons was the advent of the video iPod. So this was 2005. Mm -hmm. The video iPod were just, was just being Mm -hmm. launched and they were given as basically Christmas gift gifts to rich kids. Right. And they would – for some reason, they decided to preload them with episodes of The Office. No way. So all these rich kids got episodes of The Office on their iP- video iPods. Wow. And they started watching it. And then all of a sudden, we were – on our our ratings, we were like 47th. But on the iTunes list of number top one. TV shows, we were number – it would be Office 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and wow. 7 top downloaded shows. And, and they started – and all of a sudden, network executives who hadn't paid any attention to that stuff were kind of going like,
2: oh, so wow, scary.
1: something's going on here. Young people are paying money to watch this show and to own it and watch it over and over again. Wow. And that's what kind of kept us on the wow. air. So thanks to Steve Jobs, huh?
0: Yeah. Otherwise, you may not be in the position you're at without that. That's about crazy that. to yeah. think about that. Yeah. That's like some Freakonomics type of stuff right there, right? It's it is. like, oh, the iPad made It just famous, happened you know? right it's at like, that
1: time. Wow. Yeah. And we would definitely have been canceled if we weren't. On those video iPods.
0: That's crazy to think yeah. about. Um, now, I had Jenna Ushkowitz on, who was original cast member of Glee. I don't know if you know of Glee. Okay. But uh, yep. it's a show that I loved. Yep. That was, I think, six seasons on. Big show for a while. Fox, I believe. And, um, you know, she was making good money and this big star for however many years it was on Glee. And, uh, she was like, you know, it's been a year and a half, two years, and it's like, it's really challenging to even get in the door for places. Mm-hmm. Cause they position me as a specific role now. Yep. And it's challenging to get these other roles that I really want to grow into. Yeah. And you're finding that as well, or you're, you feel like people are just positioning you as, you know, this character that you played, Dwight, and then that's all they see you as, or what is, what is the challenge?
1: Yeah. I think, well. The challenge is A, I'm weird looking. Okay. <laughs> I think you're great looking. I think I'm super handsome, but for TV, I'm a little offbeat. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, my wife is actually attracted to me, which is crazy. <laughs> but, um, also I'm older now. I'm 50 years old. So that mm-hmm. kind of puts me in a different territory. It's, it's, uh, it's very different than being 35. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that limits me. And then I'm very, very well known for a very specific role. Yeah. Um, uh, and so those are all three hmm. strikes, I think. Um, and I'm also known for comedy, so, um, it's hard for people to take you serious. I'm trying to yeah. get into rooms where like, can I just, you don't have to cast me. Can I just audition and show that I can play roles other than creepy weirdo paper salesman? <laughs> um, <laughs> that I have a larger range than that because I was doing theater yeah, for course. 12 years before I did any TV or film playing all kinds of roles Shakespeare and Eugene O'Neill and Chekhov and um and in comedy and drama and cuz that's what you do when you're a theater actor which is yeah. I love being a theater actor cuz you get to do all that kind of stuff um but it's it's a little bit more segmented in TV and film
0: I mean your role in the office was probably the most challenging to have, I would think. I don't think any other actor could have done, on the in the cast, could have done the role that you did. I mean, it probably took all the years of... Corel could have done
1: it. No, probably better great. than me. Really? He's, yeah, he's... He's pretty smart. He's, he's,
0: pretty, he's pretty great. Well, I don't know. I still think it's a challenging role that you had that I think yes. took... The years of theater probably helped you kind of craft that and be able to step into that, wouldn't you say? Or-
1: yeah, you know, I did... Um, uh, well, part of the work that I did for a long time in theater was clowning work, where we we kind of create these uh not Ringling Brothers clowning, uh-huh. but kind of more like I would say like what um you know like Borat, you know, mm, sure, something sure, sure. like yeah, yeah. like what he does, you know, where he creates these kind of outlandish yeah. comedic characters that are really you could almost meet them in the street. They're they're very real and very outlandish at the same yeah. time, and. So I think a lot of that clowning work did help. That's uh, cool. With Dwight,
0: who's who's the actor or actress who you are inspired by the most right now? Who do you think is like doing the greatest work, or just like um, they blow you away? Michael or? Shannon. So do you know his work? I mean, tell me the the movie, the the, the role. Um, I don't know that well. Name, he why.
1: was in the in the Superman Returns. He was the villain uh, Zog. Is that his name? Okay. So he was that, and then he was just in this movie called Midnight Special. Um, I've seen him in the theater in a couple of things and, uh, he was on boardwalk empire and he played the really corrupt, tortured, uh, like FBI agent. Okay. Um, and he's insanely good. And again, theater background, it comes from the Steppenwolf theater in Chicago and boy, he can do anything. He's, he's like, he, he blows me away. I don't know how he does Mm. what he does. Mm. Uh,
0: but, uh, I aspire to be. Like one quarter of the
2: actor of of
0: Michael Shannon. What do you think are the uh, the qualities that great actors have that the rest of us could apply to our daily lives that would help us improve intimacy, connection, uh, our business, our careers, anything? You know, I I, I've that's a that's a really tough question
1: to Mm -hmm. answer because here's the thing: is like some of these really great actors are really terrible at interpersonal communication and being a human being and, and, Hmm. uh, connecting or being intimate. Um, and at the same time, they have an incredible ability to, uh, observe human behavior Hmm. and, uh, and, and turn it on and take it in and, um, and, you know, and use that and use that in their craft as of Hmm. acting. Like they're incredibly observant, Um, but they're almost like aliens observing humanity (laughs) and yeah, some of the, some of the really great actors that you'll meet, like will be, will be some of the most awkward conversations you'll ever have, but they, they know human nature inside and out. It's really, it's interesting. So I don't know if there's great Hmm. lessons to be learned, um, uh,
0: from that. Yeah. I wish I had a better answer okay. for
1: you there.
2: No
0: worries. No worries. Um, before, I want to ask a few more questions. I know we're almost at the end of time, but I'm I'm loving this conversation, so I appreciate all the sharing. Um, before I ask the final few questions, what can we take action on today? you got soulpancake.com where you create – is it daily content you create there or is it – We do it about three times a week on our YouTube yeah, channel. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that's one thing you could take action so on. So make sure to go follow – uh, Soul Pancake, and go there and subscribe. Check it out to the YouTube channel. You get over a million and a half followers. There, yeah, we have whatever.
1: almost two million subscribers,
0: That's and amazing. Uh, we uh we're doing
1: all kinds of work in the in the media landscape. But it, uh, we did Kid President. Yeah. Um, we I was, did. uh
0: I met him. You uh, met I, I sp- Kid President. I spoke on stage at a conference with him and and uh, his whose uncle Brad. Who's, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Nice great guy. guy yeah.
1: That's and cool. um. Uh, we did My Last Days, The Science of Happiness, a lot of really mm. successful shows. Um, we've done some stuff in television as well. And, um, we, you know, again, we strive to do inspiring content. We've got a really exciting, um, thing coming out this summer called New Age Creators, where we found these essentially teenage, like, do you know Casey Neistat? The, I've had him off. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's great. Amazing guy. guy. Smart. So these are like teenage Casey Neistats <laughs> making their own video content. They're video artists. Mm. Um, Younger than millennials, we call them Generation Z. Mm. And they're from all over the world with someone from Portugal, t- Spain, England, New Zealand, uh, Germany. And these, they call themselves New Age creators. They kind of came together as this coalition and we gave them the keys to our YouTube channel this summer. And these New Age creators are going to be putting out new content, uh, every, every week, a couple of pieces every week. And they're beautiful. They're personal. They're video diaries. They're, collage their stories um they use music and and visual arts um effortlessly these are kids who have just grown up with social media and and iphones and 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 cameras and and music and editing software and they just it's in their genes and they just as they live they create and we're really excited about making this content for um for our millennial audience we call them a you know uh what is it uh Positive millennials, you know, Mm, upbeat upbeat millennials and um, uh, people and altruistic Gen Zers. So altruistic teenagers that really want to change the world. And this is content for them. And uh, we're really
0: excited about that. Mm, That's cool. And you also got your book, The The Bassoon Bassoon King, King. which you'll learn more about everything in your life and a lot of personal stuff. more that we talked about today in depth. So make sure to pick that up. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere books uh, books are sold I'm assuming they're everywhere. It's everywhere now. I think so. Yeah, yeah, pretty much everywhere. Everywhere you except your bookshelf, dude. Well, we'll get it. I'll, okay. We'll get it now. But you got Arnold Schwarzenegger exactly, up there. Exactly, yeah. You got a lot of one. We'll have that up here soon. I'll get a few copies and put them up there and give them away. Please. Um, so we'll have that. And then uh, a couple of final questions. If you could write your own script, um, let's say it's a long script, but let's say you're going to paraphrase it down to a, a paragraph or two. Of the rest of your life, of the story you'd want to write for yourself, of everything you'd want to create. What are you going to create moving forward? And if you could write down any story, what would happen for you? Oh man. You're killing me. Any movie that came true. Um, <laughs> I did not prep him with these questions. So this is all off yeah, the cuff. He's just stumped, he's just stumped <laughs> me here in person. And maybe it's just one or a couple of things that, you know, kind of come to mind that are really meaningful for you that you would like to live out and create. Well, I will say that um
1: I mean I could go on and on about you know I'd love to make you know important movies and TV shows that help um, turn people on and make the world a better place and want to see soul pancake thrive and you know I want to see my my son and wife thrive and and help them and be in service to others and mm. um, become a better person as I go um, but you know, just this morning, Louis, the um, we have a nonprofit in Haiti that my wife and I started called Lide, mm-hmm. and um, we I wrote a a mass email to a whole bunch of people in the industry because we wanted we realized that the girls need more tutoring. So we do what we do is we do arts and literacy work with at risk adolescent mm-hmm. girls in rural Haiti. Mm-hmm. So we're working with about 500 girls in eight different locations. Um, wow. in the really remote parts of Haiti, like places that Haitians don't even go to. Sure. You know? And <laughs> yeah. you ask a Haitian, you know, this city, and like, like, no. they have no idea. Yeah. Um, and we do arts education, we do drama and and writing and photography, and we do literacy, and we give them scholarships and prepare them for a life of getting an education and and kind of changing their circumstances. And we realized that they needed more tutoring and that part of what they needed tutoring on was computer skills and basic typing and some basic computer stuff, which there just aren't any out there in Haiti. So I sent a blast to L.A. and we got a whole bunch of donated old laptops, you know, like the, the Mac yeah. that from 2010 that you decided to get the new one. And it's been <laughs> sitting in your closet. Yep. So we got a bunch of like 2010 Mac laptops uh-huh. and we sent them down to Haiti And I just got, I'm going to show you when this is over. I just got a whole bunch of pictures, photos of these girls using these computers for the first time. And the expression on their faces of just, of joy and wonder and possibility, possibility Mm -hmm. that a computer equals like them, you know, being able to get an education or maybe to even be a secretary or work in an office or go to websites or these are girls that are too poor to even have a flip phone. Um, uh, it was really, uh, oh. uplifting. And I would say that, you know, uh, I really would like to see our program thrive. So many nonprofit initiatives stumble after five, 10, 15 years and just trail away. I really want to build up Lee Day, Haiti and, mm. um, That's cool. uh, and reach, you know, we're at 500 girls. I'd like to reach 5,000 girls. What's it going to take to reach more? Girls, it's just going to take uh, finances, resources. Um, uh, We've got to. It, it's money. It's going to take money. Yeah. We have a great infrastructure in place. We've got a great executive director down there, and we're currently employing about fifteen Haitians in running, running it. So we can expand, and there's mm-hmm. lots of places that want us to come in. We can expand. We just need resources. If
0: someone makes a donation, what will it go towards their donation? Like what? It'll
1: it'll go towards uh, either hiring more Haitians to help expand our, our programs, or it'll go for scholarships to get girls uh, okay. into into primary or secondary schools. How much does a scholarship cost? Do we know? You know, it's um, girl. It's about five hundred dollars a year to have a girl do um, primary education. Mm-hmm. That's nothing. Five hundred bucks a year. Sure. That's that's books, tuition. School uniform, the whole wow. thing. Uh, it's about a, somewhere like a thousand dollars a year to give them um, more like secondary or college education. Gotcha. So it's, um, that's one of the reasons we started working in Haiti is that your money can just go such a of long course. way. Yeah, there's yeah. there's much less bureaucracy. Yep. And, you know, with the way that, that they're so poor there that. A little bit goes a, a super, course. super long way. Yeah.
0: We, we built schools, uh, for Pencils of Promise. I don't know if you've heard of that, Mm-mm. but they built schools for kids in poverty in Laos and Guatemala and Ghana. And again, the money just goes so much further to kids yeah. there who have nothing. So, uh, well, we're going to make a donation and, and sponsor one girl. So, oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. We'll I appreciate a, that. make a donation and just afterwards I'll,
1: just oh, man, that's send very so,
0: generous of you. Thank you, Lewis. Of course. You, Louis. Of I appreciate course. it. Um, Well and if you send me those photos, we'll put a put a couple of them in the show notes for people to see so they can make a donation and send them to the link as well. Nice. Um appreciate that. Yeah, of course. Okay, a couple final questions. I keep saying this. I keep saying this. Um this is called the Three Truths. Uh and and for everyone, we'll have all this stuff linked up that we just talked about on how you can connect with Rain and the book and all this stuff. So we'll have it on the the show notes here in a second. Uh this is called the Three Truths. And again, I haven't prepped rain on this, so the three truths. Um let's say it's fifty years from now. And it's the last day for you, and you know it's the last day. Mm-hmm. And everyone you care about is there, and uh, you're happy, you're healthy, you've achieved everything that you want to achieve for your vision. Um, and for whatever reason, everything you've created has been erased—movies, books, works, <laughs> audio interviews—they're deleted. DVDs of the Rocker. DVDs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those have already been erased. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and uh, there's a, you know, your great, great grandchild comes up and gives you a piece of paper and a pen and says um, will you write down the three truths the three things you know to be true about everything you've experienced in life mm-hmm. all the lessons if you could boil it down to three simple things that would essentially pass on to us since we don't have any of your books anymore any of your work what would those three things be
1: um, I think that uh, one is that life it's hard to make things not sound like a Hallmark card. <laughs> so, but I do believe that life is a journey and not about the destination, but it's about the process of being alive while we're here in these meat suits. So I would say that life is a spiritual journey. Um, there's that great quote by Père uh, Tehart de Chardin that um, we are not um, human beings having a spiritual experience, but, we're uh spiritual beings having a human experience. Mm. So life is a spiritual journey. Here we are being spiritual beings, having a human experience. That would be number one. I think that number two might be something with there's, we have a twofold moral purpose. And one is, and when I say moral, I mean it in the grandest possible way, not like right or wrong, but, our moral purpose is one, to make ourselves, uh, to maximize ourselves, to be the best possible version of the human being that God wants us to be. Um, and at the same time, and the other hand-in-hand hand with that is to try and make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. So we have to be doing both of these at the same time. Yeah. We have to be improving ourselves and making the world a better place at the same time. And I think every human has that obligation. And I think, you know, we could fuck around – uh, for a long time, humanity's around through most of the 20th century and it's like hey, let's have some wars bomb some shit yeah. pour pesticides and everything and genetically modify food and pour pour carbon into the atmosphere and right. overfish and you know you name it right. we could just kind of well you know we just kind of we were like drunken teenagers at their first party <laughs> just going crazy but now it really is every human's responsibility to 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 do both of those things and number three, would be
2: um, uh, rock and roll, baby.
1: <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Two is good. Those are
0: two good ones. Yeah, you had like five in the first two. So it's Okay,
2: good. there. Yeah, yeah, okay, gotta
1: yeah. Can you break those down? will break it
0: down. It's perfect. Um, I love
1: it. Three um, is uh, have, a, have a good time while doing so.
0: I like it. It's a good one. Yeah. we got to remember to have fun. Yeah. What's the point really, of doing it all? We're exactly. not fun and being
1: Laugh. Personal. Remember to laugh. Yeah. Laugh more.
0: Yeah, that's good. Well, before I ask the final question, Uh-oh. I, I want to acknowledge you for a moment, Rain, okay. for your incredible youthful spirit. I think uh, for for how much you've done, you have this like beautiful youthful energy about oh, that's, you. That's it's really very nice. creative, and you're so wise. I want to acknowledge you for your wisdom because you've gone through a lot. You've been through wow. a lot, and I think a lot of people could position you as maybe not this intelligent, wise human being, but you have so much wealth of information and just connecting with you for an hour here has been incredibly profound for me. And it shows me why you achieved the results you have in your life because of your humility, your passion and your gifts. So I want to acknowledge you for, wow, that's, that is super
1: nice. I can't believe yeah. you're saying that. That's making me, I'm going to have a, I'm going to tear up like I'm on Oprah <laughs> or on Jim Rome. I'm uh, uh but no, I, I really, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate that. And, uh, that's one thing that's always hard for me. And I think hard for many people is to take a compliment. Mm. So I'm going to try and take in that compliment yeah. and not kind of in my head go, Oh, he's
0: full of shit. No. So thank you. It's the truth. It's Thanks what I see in you. So, I appreciate um, that. you're welcome. I think it's a challenge. Most people have a challenge of receiving. Yeah. And receiving it's, it's a compliment, it's really hard. We want it, but we can't receive it when we, even like, it. even with our 11 year old son, like
1: my wife paid him a compliment the other day and he kind of like shrugged and rolled his eyes and we were like, wait, wait, wait a second. Yeah. We're going to give you a compliment here. Can you just breathe and take it in? And she gave him the compliment again yeah. and we just, he had to kind of sit there with it. That's it. Sometimes it's
0: uncomfortable. It's vulnerable. Yeah. It's, it's very vulnerable. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, the final question, and I really appreciate you being here is what's your definition of Greatness.
1: Um, my definition of greatness is, um, I guess, that it, it it has to do with capacity. We all have different capacities. Um, and I think that um, you achieve greatness by maximizing the gifts that you were given and the capacity that you have. So uh, I don't know how to get there or what people's journey is to do that, but... Uh, maximize capacity. And one of the ways we maximize our capacity is by helping other people maximize their capacities. Mm. Uh, it's in being of service to others and upraising and uplifting and inspiring and helping others and helping them reach their capacities that we expand our own.
0: Yeah.
1: Rainn Wilson, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks, Louis. This was great.
0: This was a lot of fun. Thanks. thanks. And there you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you loved it as much as I did, then please make sure to share this out on Twitter, com slash 339. And you can connect with Rain and all of his information about his books, about Soul Pancake. Make sure to subscribe over on his YouTube channel, follow him everywhere, get his books, all that good stuff. And you can watch the full video interview, again, back at our show notes at com slash 339. Let me know what you thought of this interview. What was the thing that you enjoyed the most of this? What was the biggest takeaway? Share that over on Twitter. Tag me, at Lewis and tag Rain as well. Let him know as I'm sure he would appreciate your feedback, your thoughts, and all of your love. And again, make sure to support the podcast by leaving us a review. The more people that review this, the more people find it on iTunes. We're currently in the top 100 in the world, but we're looking to distribute this message and this content of how to achieve greatness in your lives and inspiration to more people. Currently over 1.3 million downloads a month, but I wanna double that. Let's get up there. Let's continue to spread the message of greatness. And I can't do it alone. I need your support. So I'd love for you to, again, subscribe. If this is your first time, just click on the subscribe button so you get all the updates every single Monday, Wednesday and Friday, leave us a review as well. You just click on the iTunes section where the podcast is and leave us an honest review. And then share this if you felt this was moving or inspiring or helpful or useful to you in any way, then just share it with a friend. You can do it by forwarding this via email, you can tweet it, can post it on Facebook, wherever you feel will be the most appropriate for you. I love you guys. I hope you are pursuing your dreams because it's the most important thing in the world. It's the thing that brings us to life. It's the things that gives us purpose and meaning when we pursue our dreams. Just like Rain said, no matter how challenging it was for him, he continued to stay in the game because he loved it. Now, I'm not saying you're going to be a huge famous celebrity if you pursue your dreams, but you'll have the opportunity to be the most fulfilled and inspire and impact the most people around you when you're in that pursuit, when you're not pursuing something. When you're pursuing something you don't love, it's challenging to really impact people and build a legacy and live a life of meaning. So please pursue that thing that is speaking to you and calling inside of your heart because it'll be the most rewarding thing that you do. And you'll look back at the end of the day and you'll never have to say, I wish I would have. I regret that I didn't go after my dream. Make sure to go after your dream today. And you guys know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great.